0: Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. This isn't your average business podcast, and he's not your average host. This is The James Altucher Show. So, Robin, welcome to The James Altucher Show. (laughs) It's not a podcast, it's The James Altucher Show. That's my new slogan. Okay. (laughs) You remember that slogan? It's not TV, it's HBO? No. That was a great slogan that HBO had. And it was true. HBO had like a different type of show. I mean, if you think about all the great original shows sort of stemmed out of what HBO started with. Things like The Sopranos and Sex and the City. These were like, you know, violent and sexier than any other show on TV. And suddenly every show sort of wanted to be like that. So that's why my new slogan is, because I'm just imitating HBO, it's not a podcast, it's the James Altucher show. Okay. So basically I want to talk about how kids, and by kids I mean anyone younger than me, kids (laughs) are basically stupid. And I'm stupid. I'm not saying I'm smart. And the reason is, is because we learn all this BS in high school. Like we learn chemistry the periodic table of elements we learn calculus we're algebra we learn the canterbury tales mm-hmm. so The i don't know why they would teach the most boring piece of literature in the past thousand years in high school but we don't learn basic adulting skills mm-hmm. like several things we need to survive as an adult none of them are taught in high school or college sometimes our parents teach these to them but sometimes they don't know because they're just living out their normal boring lives and they don't teach us these things and I'm talking about Mm -hmm. basic skills. Like for instance, when I was a young man on my own for the first time, I had no idea how to rent and maintain an apartment. There should be a course on like how to rent an apartment, how to pay your bills, how to keep an apartment clean, how to maintain an apartment, how to look for an apartment or a house, whatever. Mm -hmm. My first apartment in New York, I basically shared with somebody I met, in like Washington square park, like a random person. Mm -hmm. He was a chess hustler in Washington square park. And I moved into his apartment and I was paying him $300 a month on on the corner of 14th and 7th in New York city. Mm -hmm. And I thought he was paying like a landlord the $300 a month. He wasn't paying anybody. turns out we were squatting in that apartment and like (laughs) two in the morning one day, we just had to leave. And I had the flu at the time. It was horrible. And then I moved into the Chelsea hotel because I couldn't, I had to move into a cheap hotel because I didn't know anything about. I mean, it's a full-time job to find and rent an apartment. I see that now even with my kids. Yeah. And yeah. it's even harder when you're an adult, like when you're older, because then you're getting a nice apartment. There's Like the last apartment we rented at in New York City, you and I, I had to show up with several character references, one job reference. My lawyer had to write a letter. My accountant had to write a letter. I had to show three years of tax returns. I had to get all this paperwork together. I had to prove, I, get, I had to get like income stubs. Right. So. No,
1: it's, it's very difficult. I mean, I think that um, parents, really, it's their job, not the school to teach kids these things. And I feel that uh, those things are taught to kids, even from a very young age, you know, of how to maintain a house. You know, you have them work along with you uh, when you're doing chores or you give them chores when they're young, and then they learn how things work and what needs to be done. Then, you know, as they get a little older, then you teach them how to, you know, do their laundry and wash their clothes. See,
0: that's another great example. I, I have no idea how to do laundry. Right. Like, so like every time
1: that's a good I've feel, done it for, really, us. for your parents. Yeah,
0: honestly. my parents failed. For instance, I would put, I know you put clothes in the container of the laundry machine. But then you're sporty, you put the detergent. You put them on the clothes, you put them in that little filler thing in the in the yeah. beginning. And then you yeah. put these little things in there to make a clothes I, toss more. I'll do
1: a tutorial for you. When we,
0: <laughs> we should do like how-to videos. Yeah. Like adulting <laughs> yeah, exactly. 101, yeah. the class.
1: But I am surprised, though, how many, how many people, adults, don't know how to do these things. I had to do this stuff when I was growing up. So I, I knew when I left, I knew how to do everything. I knew how to cook basic meals. I knew how to do the laundry. I knew how to clean the, uh, many parts of the house because that was my job, you know.
0: And all of this, they should have had an adulting 101 class, like maybe in 11th grade or 10th grade or something. But like, for instance, cooking. I know they have like home ec class for like one month or two months of some school years, mm-hmm. but I have no idea how to cook anything. Yeah. Like what's the difference between boil and bake? I don't know how to turn on most ovens. And I was telling one of our kids, actually, the other day, can you make an egg? Like, I feel like if you can make an egg, mm-hmm. I, I saw on some chef show mm-hmm. that he basically said that he he requires his students, mm-hmm. the first thing is they have to learn how to make a perfect egg. Right. So right. what's the big deal about an egg?
1: Well, I mean, you can make an egg taste really terrible if you overcook it or, you know, you don't put enough oil that can be oh. very dry.
0: I have a question, actually. I was in a hotel the other day. And I was going to get the scrambled eggs, but then I didn't because I saw it had includes dairy on the thing. Uh, Why does egg have well, dairy? Well,
1: because when you do a scrambled egg, you know, a lot of times people put cream in it. Ew. Yeah, no, you love my
0: eggs. And you put cream in it? Sometimes. I feel like you put, <laughs> I, you put like heroin in my food all of a sudden. <laughs> no. I feel like this is a bad thing that you've been <laughs> no. lying to me. That kind of the basic trust <laughs> of our marriage is gone. Can you cook, That's for right. instance, like a steak? Me? Yeah. Yeah, of course I. Can. What can't you cook? A souffle. I don't know. I it? mean, I
1: guess I could. What if is I a souffle? Really...
0: Is that the thing that goes on fire in the restaurant?
1: Uh, well. Or is like that a, a flambé? Uh, yeah, that's a flambé. <laughs> um, no, a souffle is something that it's like you put in the oven, and it's it's very delicate, and it it sort of grows, and if you.
0: I have a feeling you have no idea what you're talking about right now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, like it. Okay, whatever. I'm not a big cook. Do you know how to make a cake? Yes, I know how to make it From a cake. scratch? I, why would I do that from scratch? But yes, I guess I could. I don't really like following the directions. Like, I like looking at a recipe and then kind of coming up with my own ideas.
0: Yeah, no, I could get along. I, I could agree with that. But And the thing is with baking, you can't... Baking is more like yeah, chemistry. That's where you have to pay attention in chemistry. Because right. right. baking is like a chemical reaction. Yeah. This uh. thing that looks like nothing suddenly blossoms into yeah. a cake. Whereas a steak... You put it in there. You could put, you throw in some flavor, and and then you yeah. heat it up. And somehow you have to make sure it's not so well done or tough that it, right. it tastes bad.
1: Well, here's the thing: the things that you like to eat, you know, you don't cook, so you need to learn how to make sushi. It's just
0: about, I, I did, just about rolling. Oh, you know? I did. I, I so in 1991. Mm-hmm. Okay, all well, 1991, which was I don't know, 31 years ago. I did join a dinner club where we took turns once a week cooking food and I made, I shouldn't say cooking because I made sushi. I got a whole sushi kit where you roll it up and I had to make sushi style rice. Yeah, it was good. But then, and then I, I did even then fusion sushi, I did (laughs) I I made dessert sushi. So I had a sushi with the seaweed and the rice with banana and and cinnamon in the middle. And it was good. Everybody it was. appreciated it. It was savory with the seaweed, and it was sweet with the with the banana and the cinnamon. Oh, how funny. So I had, like, idea sex, uh, sushi yeah, mixed well, with dessert. You
1: are creative. So. There you go. Yeah.
0: Ten ideas a day.
1: Right.
0: <laughs> but I feel like that would have saved, like, particularly in, in New York City, it is really hard to find an apartment, to know what to look for in an apartment, rent an apartment, and then to maintain it, to clean it, and to have it look nice, and to furnish it. You know, even my last apartment in New York before I met you, I had to hire someone to furnish my apartment because I just didn't know what to get or where to get it. And I didn't want to spend the time figuring it out.
1: Sure. And you're a guy. I mean, most, you know, most guys don't really take the time.
0: Why do guys, why are guys, why, like, it it would be bad if I said, well, most girls can't do math. No, I mean, I just, like, how how can people feel feel real comfortable saying, oh, guys can't take care of themselves?
1: Well, first of all, I don't think you really care what it looks like. So you're not going to, you know, waste any of your time doing that. I mean, your mind is more on, you know, going out and working. And I personally like decorating. So I do like, you know, to create a home, you know, that's very uh, warm and inviting. So it's important to me.
0: I have to say, you execute very fast when you're moving into a new place. Like I've been in situations where I move into a house or an apartment Mm -hmm. and a year later, I still haven't unpacked. But when you move into a place, and we've moved in, I've seen you move three times, basically. Mm-hmm. And when you move into a place, even if it's, a, whether it's a small place or a huge place, mm-hmm. it's within three days, it's like yeah. all unpacked. And it doesn't feel like anyone else ever lived there.
1: Yeah. No, I, I don't. I guess I'm good at it because, you know, I, I've had to, you know, do that for so many years living abroad, you know, going to one place to the next. And, and that's all you have when you go into another country, you just have your, the things that, you know, are your comfort things, I guess that you create.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like you moved to
1: environment.
0: I mean, you moved to Ghana, you moved to China, yeah. you stayed and live in China for six years. You lived in Kuwait for right. three years, You lived in Ghana for three years. Like when you moved from China to Kuwait, for instance, uh-huh. how long did it take for you to just set up your home?
1: Well, just about three days. I mean,
0: yeah, your 3 days is like your magic number.
1: Right? And I mean, I'll work hard those 3 days because I can't really I don't like being around boxes and I I just I want to be settled. So I really it 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 doesn't I can't clear my mind when there's just stuff
0: all over. Yeah.
1: So, yeah. I make it a point to really get it done quickly.
0: You know, the other thing I wish they taught us back in high school which the most critical skill may be in life, mm-hmm. but they don't teach us anywhere. And you really don't figure it out until you're an adult. And most of the time I still don't have it figured out is how to say no. Like it is really hard to say no to people. Like yeah. if friends invite us to a destination wedding in Hawaii, and I really don't want to go. It's July 4th weekend. We get invited to a destination wedding in Hawaii. I really don't want to go. And I've even written a book, the power of no. Mm-hmm. And, my gut reaction is to just never respond and speak to those people, ever, never speak to those people ever again, rather than saying
1: that, no. I know, but <clears throat> I mean, you don't want to lose a friend over it, but it's, it's pretty simple. I mean, especially nowadays when you can, you know, write an email or, you know, a nice email. I mean, but, it's, but, it's just easy to do that. and
0: just. But, but it's you know, not easy because right. when you say no, and maybe these things are myths, but here's what goes through my head. I think they're not going to like me. They're going to argue with me. They're gonna think I'm a jerk. They're gonna think I'm being overly aggressive by saying no. Oh no! Like no. you've had a hard time saying no to people before. Like
1: true, but but the thing is, is like if they are your true friends, they'll understand if you can't go. You know, if something is up
0: and you you can't make what it. What if they don't, I mean, What if they're your true friends and they don't understand?
1: Well, then they're really not your true
0: friends. That's what everyone says, but I think it's that's really not true. true.
1: I mean, I I don't. You know, I can't be close to somebody really that does something like that or makes me feel guilty because it's it's a kind of a lopsided relationship if they use guilt to, you know, make you do things. I mean, that's not a very healthy one. So most friends that are healthy friends for you, they will completely understand. I would understand, you know, so, and, uh, yeah, and I'm not going to create any problem because their friendship is worth more than them coming to my wedding.
0: Yeah, so you you would have yeah. com- you, so you're not worried about them not liking you because no. if they don't like you, then you don't want to be their friend anyway. Right. But that would be a disappointment to you, though.
1: It would. If but someone I mean, you thought was you know, a good friend. life is full of disappointments, but
0: so you don't have a problem saying no.
1: No, I have no problem saying
0: no. I think most people have problems saying no.
1: Well, they shouldn't. And the thing is, is if though you do want to go, and like before we talked about this, if you are very very close to somebody and they give you um, a lot of notice. I mean, I would go because if they are in my close circle, I mean, I would, I would, I, I would go. And uh, I know that they, you know, but what if they, if able, wanted, they would go for me? Well,
0: and I'm sorry to interrupt, but I always do that, even you. <laughs> but like, let's say it's July 4th. It's a destination wedding to uh, Malaysia. They're getting married in Malaysia. Uh-huh. I told, like, I want to spend time just relaxing and resting on on a holiday weekend. I don't want to go fly all the way. You have, that's a, like. Two weeks out of my life, I have to go someplace and spend the money and I don't, I feel like destination weddings are rude. And you know why in part is because 50% of weddings end in divorce anyway at the marriages, I mean, and and so why like, I'm going to go, but then no matter what I do, 50% of the time, it was just a waste. I mean, you know, what always works a hundred percent of the time is like when you get divorced, Like 99% of divorces work out. The divorce sticks. They don't get remarried to each other. So like if someone said, hey, James, you're my close friend. I'm having a destination divorce in Las Vegas. We're going to go to court on this day, July 4th weekend. And I want you to be there. And then we're going to go out afterwards. We're going to go to dinner. We're going to have a nice dinner, Whether whether it's a sad thing or a celebratory thing. You know, maybe get a divorce registry. I want to get this guy a toaster because now he's got to move into an apartment on his own, She's which we know is guy. hard. No, oh, if it's a woman too, I would go to a death no, stage divorce. It's
1: such a guy thing. like, And th- it's also more process. juicier,
0: like the gossip. It's, yeah, it's well, juicier we, to go to death stage doors. That would be a fun thing for me.
1: Oh, see, that wouldn't be fun for me. But see, that's what I'm saying. You're, okay, is why like is a that a guy
0: thing? thing. I feel well, it's like racism against guys.
1: Oh, <laughs> no, because I mean, it's, it, you know, usually divorce. It's not something that you celebrate. I mean, there's a lot of people that are hurt and possibly kids. So, I mean, it's not something to just no. That's true. Celebrate.
0: You're, you're right. I'm making light of it, but when there are, when there are kids involved, it's super sad. It's yeah. really horrible because the kids they yes. are sad. so. But this is a good thing. Question too. Mm-hmm. which I wish I had learned as a kid, and now I have to learn, or I don't have to anymore. <laughs> but how do you end a relationship? I wish they had taught us that whether it's a business partnership or a friendship or a, a, a romantic relationship, yeah. it's very difficult to end a relationship. That is very true. And kids, right. you're, we never learned that as kids. And you know what? People stay in miserable relationships their entire life. And yeah. I'm, I'm not making light of it at all. Like mm-hmm. it is like a prison when you're, and, and there's also, but then there's the phenomenon that the grass is greener on the other side, which we know is not true. So yeah. how do you know when to end a relationship? Well, how do you know how to end a relationship?
1: I mean, I mean, I'm mean, i not, you know, a therapist, but I mean, if it's a marriage, I, I would say that it's important to go to a professional and try to work it out that way. I mean, at least you're trying, you know. If it's a business relationship, honesty is really the best policy. And you've got to really be honest with people and yourself. You know, you can't really try to talk yourself into like, oh, well, I guess I'm happy or, you know, no, you really got to really go into your, you know, your psyche and figure out what is wrong. What's making you so unhappy? And you need to be very, you know, not confrontational, but you need to be able to sit down and have a healthy conversation about it and how you feel. And I think people respect that. You know, that's why it's important for kids really to learn how to ask questions, defend themselves, you know, ask for help when they're young, because then it, it actually will help them as an adult. You know, if I'm not happy with this, I need to communicate this with my teacher or my boss. And you can do it in a very, you know, nice, uh, professional way. Uh, but I know it's not easy, but it's something that you need to really teach the kids. And as adults, you just need to be honest with yourself and with people. And uh, I I love that about people when they're very honest with me because I realize how hard it is for them to say something, you know? So I, I really respect people that do that. So that's but, sort of a message that we should get out to our kids, that it is, you know, people respect that.
0: And I think you have to go into something, whether it's a business relationship or a friendship or a romantic relationship, I think you have to go into it knowing pretty clear what your boundaries are and, and not that you can never yeah. cross your boundaries because— People are different and sometimes you have to do things the partner wants that you, but that's not really like a, a, a hard boundary. But knowing what your boundaries are in yeah. terms of what type of person you want to be like. For instance, a rom- some people have romantic relationships where they claim they're in an open relationship and they're fine with that. For me, that would be a solid boundary. And I know for you too. And, and you have to uh, know that the other person has similar, not exactly the same, but similar boundaries to you. Exactly. And, and, and I think then if you know in advance what kind of boundary, boundaries in terms of like, for instance, is making money important or is securing freedom and independence important? Because those are two different things. And, and so, so that's kind of like part of a financial due diligence, even in a romantic relationship right. or in a, a business partnership. Do we want to sell the company tomorrow or do we want to build this into something forever? Or even in a friendship, does this person's values align with mine is when we get together, are we going to have interesting things to do and and talk about, or is it going to be small talk every single time? Sure. And uh, those are
1: important. The core values I think are super important when, when it comes to any type of partnership.
0: And and I think you have to know your own run deep and you have to know your own weaknesses. Like sometimes I've been in the past, I've been afraid to end relationships because maybe I would be, I would feel maybe I would get hit by a car the next day I remember even saying this to my therapist when, when at the time, this is years and years and years ago, I was trying to decide whether to end a relationship. And I said to my therapist, what if I get hit by a car tomorrow? And then no one will ever like me again. Whereas I'm with this person now and she'll stay with me. Even if I get hit by a car and and horrible things happen. And first off, she said the therapist said how do you know she'll stay with you maybe she won't." Yeah. and second off do you, are you really going to be happier if you're with right. someone you don't like and you've <laughs> lost your legs right. so you know and uh, uh but other times i've been able to just you know one way i've ended a relationship is i made sure there was a little bit of distance and then i i, I don't know if this is a bad thing or a good thing but i wrote an email and said you know i've been doing a lot of thinking it's uh, it's it's not working out i need time to Mm -hmm. not do this. Mm -hmm. And some people criticize me because I wrote an email instead of saying it in person. Mm -hmm. But I think in person it turns into like a negotiation or an argument. And I knew me and I, I just wanted to solidify the ending.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I just think that before it gets to that point, I mean, communication is really super important, you know, and, and honest communication. So, when you're really talking to your partner or your, you know, business associate or whatever, I mean, it's 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 just very important to be uh, honest and 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 to not because a lot of it would be your fault if you say, oh no, it's okay, and then they say, oh okay, and then they do it, and then you get upset. It's really not that person's fault because you didn't set the boundaries. You know, what so, if
0: you don't? What if you're not? What if you are what if you do not know? what your true honesty is. Like sometimes I'll like someone because, oh, they're pretty or I've known them for a long time or whatever. There might be reasons that I don't, maybe I think that leads to a good relationship, but it doesn't ultimately.
1: Well, I mean, I think there, you have to have many different levels of liking somebody. It can't just be one. Like that one could just, that one particular thing could just go away. I mean, if it's just looks, I mean, that just lasts so long. And then, you know, you have the deeper person. So you, you really need to know the person at many
0: different levels. So how much time do you think you should spend knowing someone before getting into a romantic relationship? I race?
1: mean, I think you should spend time. It, it takes a lot of time.
0: We got married like in a few days practically.
1: No, we didn't. We We actually knew each other for over a year, but then we were together constantly for... Almost three months, every day.
0: But that's see, a very fast time. To. It is,
1: but how many times, you know, the, like the the amount of of hours that we spent with each other made up what maybe somebody dating somebody for a year or a year and a half. Maybe Could be. they see each other once or twice a week, or they go on a little vacation. But like we really, it was very concentrated. And I mean, we are older, but who know? You know. I, I don't really know the the magic, you know, potion from getting divorced, but I do know the importance of communication and I do know the importance of respecting each other and being honest.
0: Yes, it's totally true. Airbnb has changed my life. if anything, they have made my life so much better. like I used to live in airbnbs i w- I lived in over a hundred or two hundred different airbnbs over a three year period, and I loved it i love I became a really good guest of airbnbs and I got to know lots of hosts. So when I initially owned a house i of course, the first thing I thought was i 'm going to turn my house into an airbnb because I travel a lot. So why leave my house unused when I can make a side income by letting others Airbnb my house or come to stay in my house as guests and having my own Airbnb or or being a host for Airbnb has allowed me to do just that. And I've met other hosts. I've actually spoken at Airbnb's host conference. I think it was in 2017. I met so many just nice hosts. It's a great community and I love So again there should be like an adulting 101 class where people have to cook people have to clean an apartment
1: yeah and
0: and people have to like pair up in like pseudo relationships and break up with each other and somebody advise and comment on whether they're doing it well because again none of these things were even discussed like why was this not more important than learning the periodic table of elements in school i think people i think teachers thought oh, well, they'll get this in real life no look matter at this what. at home,
1: yeah. You know, school is not to raise your kids, but people look at that as raising your kids. I mean, even though, you know, most, both parents work, you still have time on the weekends. You still have time in the evenings, you know, to spend with your kids, you know, cook with them, um, have them do chores, you know, when they get home. I mean, I know it's not easy as a parent to make this happen or to, make them do it. But you have to be consistent. And it's only for their own benefit, really. We don't cook. The kids do. I love it. I love the fact that those kids now, our kids can cook for us. (laughs) Don't you think that's great?
0: Yeah, no, I think that's very good. Although I like to order out Uber Eats most of the the time. Because you know what I find is that they don't cook enough. And that they have huge appetites. Yeah, yeah. They cook. And then they eat everything. Right. Yeah. Well, left they're, they're not for used, me when I come so down to work.
1: they're used to cooking for themselves. You yeah. See? So they're they're used to small portions, uh, whereas we're a big family, and I'm used to cooking large portions for a bunch of people. So you know, they're just getting used to that. You know, doubling the you know the recipe or something. So yeah, and it makes them feel good to you know to do something for us.
0: Another thing is like in math. You know, we take math class from first grade through 12th grade. We end up in like algebra, or geometry, mm-hmm. or calculus. None of that stuff, was the rare exception, but basically, particularly calculus or trigonometry, that is not useful in yeah. real life at all. And the one thing that is useful in real life is probability. Like knowing when you're trying to make decisions, let's say you're trying to make a decisions and you say, okay, well, you know, there's a 40% chance they'll be happy with this, 50% chance they'll be happy with this, 60% chance they'll be happy with this. People need to understand what basic probability is. And if I was teaching like an adulting 101 class, I would teach probability and statistics in the context of decision-making. Like nobody teaches that at all. I mean.
1: Yeah, no, I think that is a very important thing to learn. I feel like the basics though, are even more important, just basic, like, (laughs) self-care. There's a lot of adults that don't know how to do certain things, you know? What other things do you think are good for, like, you know, self-care? What's the other one? Like, banking, any sort of, you know, paying your bills. Paying
0: taxes. There should be a course as part of Adulting 101. If I was teaching Adulting 101 in high school, you would have to fill out your tax forms. Like, pseudo, uh, give them, like, fake incomes, and they have to file, like, a tax return. Because I have no clue. Like, I don't know the difference between a W-2 and a 1099 and what the actual form is that you fill your taxes out.
1: Yours is a lot more complicated. But in terms of just, you know, a kid, you know, having just a job, you know, they take out the tax for you and everything. So that's a simpler way. It wouldn't be so complicated to do your own taxes. You know, but when you start to, you know, have investments and you have money coming here and there, it becomes a little bit more.
0: And this generation, this Gen Z, they're going to have to get used to more complicated taxes because they have multiple Mm -hmm. streams of income in many cases. Like the gig economy has grown exponentially in the past 10 years. So, you know, this is going to be a a factor of life.
1: Yeah, there are companies out there like H&R Block that are not very expensive that they can go to and. It doesn't cost much to get it done. So, I mean, there are companies out there. It's just, you know, making sure that you collect, you know, if you're self-employed, collecting all your receipts or being able to be organized enough. That's that's another big thing. That's impossible for me. Organization and just in life being organized, you know, that will make your life so much easier. And that's, I'm still working on that part.
0: That's essentially impossible for me. But the good thing is if you have like one, and again, this is something that can be taught. If you have one credit card, like let's say American Express, yeah. they used to pay for everything, mm-hmm. then you don't need to keep all the receipts. You could see all your purchases right. on yeah. an American Express bill. Yeah. But, but you know, this discussion of taxes and, and jobs leads to another important thing that's never taught, which is what? how do you do a good job interview? Like I find that that is a, or I did find when I was doing interviews for jobs, mm-hmm. that was very hard for me to, know how to prepare for a job interview. And the flip side is a little later when I was hiring people for jobs to know what they were doing. That was good. or The interviewees, what they were doing that was good or bad, like was a a difficult thing. Like preparing for a job interview, writing a resume. No, I find young people have no clue how to, how to do this.
1: Some of our kids definitely have resumes. I mean, they've had help with their professors and their teachers
0: um, yeah and that help has been disastrous. I feel like I don't think they've i don't i don't right now I would give if you graded our kids from zero to ten, maybe the best would get a five in terms of like uh getting themselves ready for a job interview and and putting together a resume
1: oh well, I don't know because they've done that and they've gotten jobs, so I mean they're doing something right
0: I guess that's true
1: but uh you know they have to see somebody doing it. I mean, it helps to do it with them, or it helps to see because I mean, those change a lot as well. You know, so you've got to kind of go along with what the new look is for your resume because it changes. So, as parents, the resumes don't look the same as they did when we were young.
0: <laughs> I, I think now people are less have less ability to do a resume now because there are so many different types of resumes and way in ways in which you present your skills. Right. But right. I, I would say yeah. based on my experience mm-hmm. that the number one thing you can do, and I, this is what I would teach in adulting one one class, the number one thing you can do to enhance your resume is to reinforce it with not just job skills like, oh, I used to work at Procter mm-hmm. & Gamble where I headed up their Crest marketing campaign, but have valuable life experiences in there. Like yeah. I lived in these countries, I speak these languages, I know i or for me, the fact that I had chess master on my resume was a lot more important than that I learned some obscure programming language or yeah. whatever, I mean, those were the re- I would get jobs only because I had above and beyond stuff on my resume that showed I wasn't just one piece of paper, but that there was depth underneath this resume. Yeah. And, and I think kids don't know how to do that. They don't understand competition. And this is what I mean by probability. They don't understand that everyone applying for a job is probably the same as them. Mm -hmm. Like if you're applying for a job, I'm just making this up at like JP Morgan, an investment bank. Mm -hmm. Everybody went to college. Mm -hmm. Everybody knows, you know, took economics. Mm -hmm. Everyone interned for the government or a law firm or a hedge fund or something. Mm -hmm. Everybody you know, started a small business when they are 18 organizing, right. like, I don't know, newspaper deliveries, or I don't know, some random business, sure. they have to have something. They need to focus on what's above and beyond. And like, for right. me, what was great was having this, this chess thing on my resume, mm-hmm. helped me get into college, grad school, helped me get my first jobs, helped yeah. me raise money for a hedge fund, helped me, mm-hmm. uh, uh, sell companies knowing what you're above and beyond is, is, that's is important.
1: I, I agree. I mean, that's why with, with my kids, when we moved back to the States, I, you know, because they learned both Arabic and Mandarin, but I wanted them to at least keep one of those, you know, because those were unusual languages. It wasn't just Spanish. It wasn't, you know, and they did, you know, Lily kept Arabic and John kept Mandarin. And I think that's really kind of, Put them apart. Yeah,
0: Yeah. absolutely. Everybody has to find where they are in the top 1%. People talk about the top 1% and they mean money. But you have to figure out what category you're in the top 1% of, and that's what's going to make you stand out. And some people might be listening and thinking, well, I'm not in the top 1% of anything. Fear not with just, you know, there's online courses everywhere. There's Do something unique. There's there's subcultures. In every area of life now where you could kind of belong to that subculture and and kind of quickly so-called skip the line and and rise up in that subculture, you could, like, you know, we have an example of one of our kids applied to schools, didn't really get into the colleges of her choice. Mm -hmm. And so she very intelligently, on our advice, Mm -hmm. took a year off, found something she was interested in that was very unique. And, and and we looked at a lot of different choices right. and she ended up getting a professional race car driving license and racing in professional races. Right. And then the next year, lo and behold, she got into every college she applied to and ended up going to like an amazing school. Right. Like, the, like the lowest of the low schools had rejected her the year before. And now she's going to like the best possible school. Right. And it was because it was sort of proof that finding that unique mm-hmm. one thing where you're in the top 1% We'll separate you out from right. every high school kid's got a 4.0 gpa now and a right. huge sat score and they did charity for others and they were president of the debate team or the spanish club or whatever and uh right. uh they don't stand out and people need to know being great is not as important as being different and that's something that they never teach in high school
1: right right or they college try to, they or try life to make everyone the same you know the same thought process the same everything but no, that, that's really true. I mean, a resume is going to get you right into the door. But then when, once you get into the door, you've got to use a different skill.
0: Particularly if you don't have the normal pedigree. Like, let's say I wanted to work at a big hedge fund when I was younger, because I did. Yeah. But I didn't, I didn't study business. I didn't work at a big bank. I didn't have any real experience. So I had to start my own hedge fund, mm-hmm. and I had to hustle and figure out the industry, but that for me then became unique. That became what was uniquely interesting for me. Right. So that I was able to get other opportunities later on.
1: But also you have a really great personality and and people like you, you know, not and, always. And, and, well, for the most part, um, and and you're fun. And people like to be around positive people, you know? And I think that they will choose the fun, positive person over a very stoic, non-communative person. Because I think that being willing to work, being happy, uh, creating a really good energy for the company, I think that's super important. Because if you bring someone in that's a negative person, they're not going to like to be around you. And it's going to create a big problem throughout the company. Right. So I think I really feel like the way you present yourself, the energy you bring in, is really important once you're in front of these
0: people. But I think those are skills you can learn. I think think for many people, they need to practice that. They do. Like, it's not like, you know, I did have many bad interviews when I was younger Mm -hmm. and it was through trial and error, but I wish someone had told me and I wish I had been in an environment where I could practice interacting with a boss, practice interacting with people on a date even. Like for instance, small talk is a very difficult skill for me I wish in adulting 101 if if there was such a class I wish we could have all just milled around with like a fake cocktail and tried to <laughs> talk to each other about nothing cuz I can't do it. I we've had yeah. we've had situations where you know you're you're in a setting where you like all the people like you're at a party but I'm very bad like if there's more than just one on one or two on two people like I can't talk about Oh, you know how's the weather and what happened with your favorite sports team and uh, all this stuff. Like, I'm very hor- horrible at small talk.
1: Yeah, no, that it is hard when you're when you are young. You know, you don't know. You're embarrassed. I'm you're-
0: talking about this past oh. month or year. <laughs> like, I still can't do it.
1: I feel like once you uh, well, going back to the kids, I feel like a lot of the, their problems are that they're not confident. So they're they're just very nervous. Yeah. And and it's all fear-based. Okay? So what are they nervous about? Well, they want to be accepted. You know, they're still, you know, learning how to do that, you know, in their tribes, at school, you know, but really once they start to branch out and know who they are, then they start to feel a little bit more confident about themselves. Then you don't really worry as much as what people think, and it's and it helps you to be able to talk and and just be yourself because when you're not yourself that's when you clam up or you, you you don't know what to say because you're not being yourself
0: no I think that's a really great point I think it's a skill to be able to speak the truth even the first time you meet someone right so a lot of times kids and adults think like a salesman they think what can I say right. to make the other person like me right and but the it's actually the reverse. It's sort of like when you say what you think, then the right people will like you. They'll either say, this person has something unique to say, I need someone like that around me, Mm -hmm. or they'll filter out the people who wouldn't accept them for who they are. That's right. So I think if you have a vision of things, like let's say you think to yourself, oh, crypto is going to be the the future. I'm just making this up, Mm -hmm. although that might be something I think. But then you have to have reasons. You have to have, let's say, 10 reasons. Mm -hmm. So if you think something is going to be the future, if you have a vision for something... Think of the 10 reasons and some of those reasons everybody might not agree with, but you can argue them. And then you have to learn how to argue, which is, you know, people have to learn how to present an argument and not, and and be willing to listen to the other side of the argument. This is part of being uniquely you is that you don't shut people out. If they don't agree with you, you listen and absorb and take new information and demonstrate that you're the sort of person who can take in more information and related to this, that they never teach us in high school, is the ability to both give and take constructive criticism. Like I see, you see this obviously on social media, people give criticism that's the obvious, like, oh, you're a jerk, so you must be wrong. And nobody really knows, like people ask me to read their writing all the time and comment on it. And sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. But when I do, I make sure I say really like, you know, I'll say things like, oh, this story doesn't feel unique to me. It feels like something everybody else would write. So what about you can make this idea a unique story? Or or sometimes people will give, oh, here's the 10 things you should do do to succeed at business. But they don't tell a story along the way. And I always say, always be storytelling. And then sometimes we'll get right down to the nitty gritty of the writing. Like you use too many words here. Why don't you take out these words or take out this paragraph or... People, people only read now in small chunks so you have to divide up your paragraphs more so so I'll give constructive criticism and if people give me constructive criticism, I listen I pay attention yeah you know or I listen to the, the overall gist of it like we're launching you know notepad.com right now for instance and I hear sometimes when you know sometimes there's positive feedback, sometimes people give constructive criticism and sometimes they'll see oh if there's a trend in the criticism, okay, this is a feature we have to add or, or, or a a user experience thing we have to change. So it's very valuable to be able to take in new information and it's very valuable to give constructive criticism that helps people. And also again, describes who you uniquely are and what your vision of the world is.
1: Right. I mean, it is true that when you do, you know, when you're talking to somebody, I mean, I feel like the most important thing to do is to listen. Okay. Really to be a good listener. Um and ask questions. I mean, those are the two things I think are the most important to maybe if you're going to be going to a party. you know that's really all that you really need to do because when you ask questions, people love talking about themselves, but you also get to learn about that person by asking the good questions.
0: Right? Yeah, no, I agree. So, asking questions is key, particularly in a party. Well, it's great because the Defender has been reimagined for 21st century adventure and its unparalleled off-road ability as well as its robust interior are invaluable whether you're headed towards uncharted territory or just a weekend of exploration. The Defender 110 tackles challenging surroundings with absolute confidence. The SUV conveys strength outside and in featuring peerless technology like an intuitive driver display Learn more at LandRoverUSA.com forward slash Defender. Hey, listen, men's health is important. Men act all cocky and like they don't need anything. But the reality is as you get older, there's some things you need. And it often feels like we're too busy to take care of our health problems. Like I'd rather do anything than go to the doctor or the dentist or pharmacy or whatever. But now you don't have to waste your time. If you use HIMS, HIMS, H I M S, HIMS is changing men's healthcare by providing simple and convenient access to science backed treatments for erectile dysfunction, hair loss, weight loss, and more. The entire process is 100% online, so you get a new routine of improving your overall health faster. Jay, you listening to all this? <laughs> yes, I definitely gonna use HIMS for now. Not on. that you need it, you're, you're young and healthy. James, I'm 35. You're getting there. You might you might need it. Who knows? But if prescribed, your medication ships directly to you for free and indiscreet packaging. No insurance is needed. You can manage your plan on the Hims app, track progress, and learn more about your conditions and how to treat them from leading medical experts. Start your free online visit today at hymns.com slash James. Could you imagine that? There's a whole section just with my name on it You know how you make someone a really good listener? How's that? You say to them, Hey, I think you're a really good listener.
1: Oh. <laughs> and then right.
0: suddenly they will be. Right. Because
1: right, they don't right.
0: want to disappoint you after that.
1: Yeah, there's all sorts of little things like that that, you know, I always forget to do, but um, but because I was, you know, with my job for 25 years, you know, listening to a person, you know, while I was doing their hair, it really helped me to learn that skill of asking questions and, and listening
0: and people would really open up to you when you were, just to mention to the audience, you, um, didn't go to college and we've, we've spoken about this before and you opened up one of the biggest hair salons around or spas. What's like one of the craziest stories a client has ever told you? And this is like 30 years ago. So it's, it's not like you're revealing anything.
1: No, I mean, nothing really comes to mind because it's been so long ago, but I do what about re- someone
0: cheating I do on... Remember
1: that there was lots of cheating. And I remember uh, you know, the husband coming in with the girlfriend, and then the, the receptionist had to book people, you know, book the the wife a different day just to make sure that the girlfriend wasn't gonna come with the with the with
0: Did they ever wife. mess up? Like did ever the girlfriend and the wife. No, up I don't
1: her. not that I can remember, but I was like, wow, that's just so horrible.
0: <laughs> were men cheating more than women or women yes. cheating more than men?
1: Yes. Men were cheating more than women. I, I don't know of any women that were cheating from offhand. Huh. Yeah. So that was a very stressful situation. Why? I just felt like uh, it was weird. Here comes this guy with this woman and you know that that's not his wife. I don't know. I'm just embarrassed. It's just, yeah. But
0: would the would the wives ever find out?
1: I don't know. I, I didn't get I did, did not ever go come in to those I think so, but this all happened really when I was working for somebody. And so I, I I don't recall anything like that happening when I was when I had my place. Maybe I was just too busy to get involved with it, but
0: yeah. And and you know, again, related to all of this is basic communication skills.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: And right now we have a big problem in society right now because of the internet, which is that everybody's a writer, but no one knows how to write. So like everyone writes updates on Facebook and LinkedIn and wherever, and they, everybody sends emails, but nobody actually, very few people, even when you're arguing with somebody, you have to tell a story. You have to have a beginning, middle, end. You have to have almost like a little plot. You have to understand the basics of, debate and criticism and steel manning your argument which means being able to argue the other side as if that was your position you know people need to know the the basics of these and that's another thing we never really learn writing in school even though we have to write all these essays about the canterbury tales or whatever you learn this kind of like academic format of writing which is not how the real world operates right so people graduate high school and even college not knowing how to communicate or write at all, but they think, you know, I graduated college in English. I of course couldn't write. And they have overconfidence about their writing skills. It takes a long time to learn how to communicate well.
1: Right. No, that's true. No, very good point.
0: And you know, and then also we don't, we take science classes, but adulting 101, you should learn what science is. Like you hear this phrase these days, and by the way, when I say this, it doesn't politicize me, although people think it does, but we hear this phrase, trust the science, which is so stupid to even say those words, that those three words, trust the science, because the whole idea, like trust is the same as faith, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And faith is religion. Mm -hmm. Science is meant to not be trusted. I don't have to trust anything. I can go out and do my own experiment or study the experiments and make sure, by the way, Most scientific papers, or not most, but many scientific papers have to be retracted because the statistics was wrong or the results can't be reconfirmed. You know, somebody comes out, they discover uh, nuclear fusion. Turns out nobody can recreate the experiment, so you have to take it back. They didn't discover it. Like, science is very hard. And the greatest scientific achievements in history were because uh, uh, the science was questioned. You right. always, que- right. you never trust the science. You always have to question the it's science. It's all
1: experiments. You I mean, really, it's experimenting and it's it, trying new things. And it's, it, you know, it's always moving. Science is,
0: is, is always, you know, developing. Always developing. And I'm not saying, for instance, vaccine, people think when you say trust the science, you're also saying at the same time, vaccines don't work. I'm not saying that at all. Yeah. Uh, vaccines very much work. They're one of the greatest scientific achievements of the 20th century, But even Jonas Salk had to take back his original polio vaccine because it was causing too much polio. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it was kind of really mastered about six years later. Now, the science of making vaccines has improved much since then. Mm -hmm. So we have better vaccines much more quickly. But that came from not blindly trusting the science. That came from the science evolving so we can make good vaccines. We can make better airplanes and rocket ships and... You know, science is ultimately used to make our life better. Like a great example of not trusting the science, uh, which we've talked about before, was, you know, Igor Semmelweis is the classic example. He was a doctor in the 1850s who discovered that hand-washing prevents the spread of germs. He invented germ theory. Mm -hmm. And everyone despised him so much for changing the science. He had They wanted to put him in a mental institution. Like they thought he was so wrong, which, you know, you're always going to be laughed at if you come up with something new because otherwise the other 7 billion people on the planet would have come up with something new before you
1: and these were all the doctors and professors wanting to put him in jail
0: yeah and and look (laughs) einstein Einstein, you know what uh, people always say oh you do your most popular work when you're young einstein is a great example of where that's not true what if if i were to ask you what did albert einstein do just off the top of your head like you don't have to know physics or anything what did albert einstein do
1: Uh, well, he, he discovered, um, the atom bomb.
0: Well, he discovered the equation that did lead to the atom bomb. What's his famous equation? E equals MC squared. So E equals MC squared. He did that in 1905. He was a young guy. He was in his twenties, but his most cited paper was when he tries to refute quantum mechanics. He totally did not believe quantum mechanics and he was simply wrong. Like he, years later, he admits he's wrong. Like most scientists, even the smartest people ever in history are going to be wrong most of the time or a good chunk of the time. And you have to know that about yourself and you have to know how to identify that in other people and how to identify that in the headlines. Most headlines in the news you read are complete lies. Uh, and kids should know that, that they can't trust you know, basic media, they have to look for sources. And now thanks to the internet, you can find the underlying sources and you can do your own tests and experiments and have your own opinions and not join like some, some, you know, echo chamber or, or social media ghetto where everybody has the exact same opinions. So this should be part of adulting 101.
1: And researching, learning how to research. Yeah. Because I think that's important. You know, how, how, what do you what do you put in to research a certain situation? You know, I mean, a lot of people don't even know that. So, you know, I always ask the kids to research something. Like what? I don't know. Or just whatever they're asking me. I say, okay, I don't know. Why don't you look it up? So we look it up together. So, I mean, everything is right here, you know, for us now. Whereas before we would have to go into a library and look it up or, you know, but that's why, you know, information is just, here for us and everywhere. And it's, it's pretty easy to get. So.
0: So please let us know if you would like to see an adulting one-on-one class. Cause I think there are so yeah, many skills
1: cover financial or any yeah. IRAs or any.
0: Oh yeah. By the way, the basics of investing, no one knows how to invest like in a bull market. Every, it's this common saying in a bull market, everyone thinks they're a genius in a bear market. No one talks about investing and By the way, the best opportunities to make money are in a bear market. The reason why most people don't realize that is because they do not know basic, basic investing skills. Yeah, you know, I wrote a book in 2005 about Warren Buffett. It was called "Trade Like Warren Buffett," where I really studied his personal letters from the 1950s. Now people see he's very public; his letters from the 80s and the 90s. But his letters weren't so public in the in the 50s, and I would study all his investments. And I made a book out of this called Trade Like Warren Buffett. And then I followed his career, you know, all along the way. His best investing was always done in the worst markets that nobody, that everyone else would run away from. And I see it right now we're in a bear market yeah. where, where things are way down from the highs in, in no, last November. And this is the time to make money, but it's a scary time. Yeah. You're always going to be scared because everyone else, if everybody was making money at the same time, then I'll tell you, nobody is really going to make money in the long run. It's the times when you're standing out there looking like an idiot where you're going to make money, but right. you have to understand risk. Risk is another thing, almost separate from investing. And the, right. uh, Kids don't understand risk. And unfortunately, if they never learn, then as they get older, they don't understand risk. But risk is the most important thing to understand about decision-making, about investing. If you truly understand risk, you'll make a ton of money. If you don't understand risk, as I've known all too well, you'll go broke many times.
1: Yeah, well, parents don't let them experience it because they do everything for them.
0: Or the parents themselves don't understand risk.
1: Well, they just, there's too many helicopter parents. Like, the kids need to learn how to do stuff, you know, like, they need to know that you're there and you're watching. But, I mean... You know, there needs to be, you know, uh, consequences. You know, if they don't feel anything like that, they're not going to understand what the risk is. You know, what is the consequence of yeah. that risk? What, like- what, what, what's the next thing that happens if if something bad? You know, they have to understand what is coming, right? So I think they'll be more um, able to understand the risk because it'll be like, well, if I do this, then maybe— something, this will happen, and I don't want that to happen because it doesn't feel good, so I'm going to do this. So if they feel, if we allow them to feel some pain about their choices, then I think that they will inherently learn about risk. Yeah. Because it starts at a very young age, you know? And so, you know, it's just that, and I am am guilty of that too. I wish I didn't do that with my kids, you know, but I did. You know,
0: know, I always... I always threw my kids into the deep end of the pool to see if they could swim. And two out of three of them are dead now. But no, just kidding. So adulting 101, we hope you have these basic skills. And we'll probably I'll probably write more lists about this on notepad N-O-T-E-P-D.com. But uh, I wish someone had taught me these things when I was younger. Yeah, I'll teach you. Yes, you've already taught me quite a bit. <laughs> By the way, statistic, I'll leave that statistic out of this. Uh, three out of four third marriages and in divorce, but we'll be the one out of four that will succeed. That's the statistics that yes. I know. Yeah. Um, but thank you very much, Robin, for joining me on Adulting 101.